So here we are. I'll just say, though, I'd like to thank all of you that have uh, prayed for me during this educational process. The Lord provided um, a means by which um, I could go to school and further my education, and not so that I could become or prove that I'm smart. That's not the point. The point was to go and learn more about Jesus Christ and about God and how to bring that back to here, how to bring that back to these people, you, the people of Jesus Christ here at Valley Bible Church. So I thank you very much for your prayers. Um, many a late night and many, uh, um, many a paper being handed in about three minutes before it was due. So, uh, but we got through that, and I'm thankful, very thankful for uh, the fact that my family was able to be at that graduation. Uh, they'll, they'll probably never quite understand um, how much that meant for them to be there. So, uh, thank you for that. We'll get to our sermon this morning so that I don't just weep in the pulpit. Um, uh, I'll have you weep instead as I preach. Um, the offering of a man after God's heart. The offering of a man after God's heart. Uh, how many of you recognize when we say um, he was a man after God's heart who we're talking about? David, the king of Israel, the second king that they would have and his ruling. And um, David went through a ton of things as a king. Some of the items would be items that he might not be too proud of. Um, but he remained faithful to God. It's amazing that God, even after all of the things that David did, some good, some bad, God's opinion of him was that he was a man after his heart. And um, I'm hoping that someday when I see the Lord, he might be able to say the same thing about me, that I was a man that lived my life as though I was after his heart. And I'm trusting that he'll be able to say that about you also. But in this lesson this morning, or in this sermon this morning, I wanted to talk a little bit about the offering that he gave to build the temple. Now, he wanted to build the temple years earlier. He had, um, the Israelites had built him a wonderful, magnificent, palatial palace of a home. And he was standing in the home shortly after it was completed, and he looked out and he recognized that the Ark of the Covenant where God dwelt was in a drafty tent. And he said, you know what? I think it'd be a great idea that we build God a house. We build a temple that we can put the Ark of the Covenant in so that God can dwell in a non-drafty tent. And so he mentioned this to Jonathan, the prophet. Jonathan said, it seems like a great idea to me. It's a noble cause. And then Jonathan went home, and David went to bed that night, and God visited Jonathan and said, you must go back to David and tell him, no, I don't want you to build my temple. So it must have been disappointing to David. I'm sure he was disappointed by that. But yet we don't hear him whining anywhere in Scripture. He accepted that. He accepted that he would not be the one building the temple. But out of the noble cause that he had in his heart, we have what we call the Davidic Covenant that comes right on the heels of God telling him, no, you won't get to build my temple, but I'll make a covenant with you. And that covenant would be that his family would always be the king of something. They would be the king. And out of David's lineage comes Jesus Christ, the 
the king of kings. And so God honored the Davidic covenant with him. But from the time that God told him, no, I'm not going to allow you to build the temple uh, for the ark to go in, from that time forward, um, he started to think about that temple, about building it, about what it would require. And in um, 1 Chronicles 17, he acknowledges that God is who he is and, and I am who I am. And so if God doesn't want me to build a temple, I won't build it. I, I, but I'm going to put together enough resources to build the temple. So he, being the king, and, and since God had given them victory over many nations during his reign, it's one of the reasons God wouldn't let David build the temple is because he had so much blood on his hands. And so, but they had, they had conquered many nations and brought back wealth and riches from those nations. And David was in charge of that wealth as the king. And he chose instead of spending it on himself to set it aside to build the temple. So he started to take that wealth that they had achieved and, and acquired and put it aside, gold and silver and bronze and copper and and iron, and iron at that time was a very valuable thing. It wasn't as common as it is today. But he started to set that aside to build the temple. And so that brings us to 29, uh, the, the chapter uh, 29 of 1 Chronicles there. And I'm going to read that to you. So let's read that together if we can get there. Then King David said to the entire assembly, and in that assembly, so you know, there was princes and princes. We'll get to it later, but it was a rather large gathering. My son Solomon, whom alone God has chosen, is still young and inexperienced, and the work is great, for the temple is not for man, but for the Lord God. Now, with all of my ability, I have provided for the house of my God the gold for the things of gold, the silver for the things of silver, and the bronze for the things of bronze, the iron for the things of iron and the wood for the things of wood, onyx stones and inlaid stones, stones of antimony, and stones of various colors, and all kinds of precious stones and alabaster in abundance. Moreover, in my delight in the house of my God, the treasure I have of gold and silver I give to the house of my God over and above all that I already have provided for the holy temple, namely 3,000 talents of gold, of the gold of Ophir, the 7,000 talents of refined silver to overlay the walls of the buildings, of gold for the things of gold, silver for the things of silver, that is, for all the work done by the craftsman, who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord. Who then is willing to consecrate himself to the Lord? It's interesting that when God told David no in the Davidic covenant, he said that there will always be a king in your line, though. And um, the first one that would help build that temple would be an offspring of David, and that was Solomon. And um, so sometimes when, we're, when we don't get to do something in life, the next best thing to that is watching our children do it. Um, allowing them the finances and the different things necessary for them to be able to achieve things that maybe we didn't get to achieve. And so 
David, I would say, was disappointed that he didn't get to build the temple, but I'd say he was also encouraged to think that his son would be able to do so. But it's interesting that he calls him young and inexperienced. Let me relate that to you a little bit. Young and inexperienced with all of the things that David had gathered for the temple. He's saying, my son's going to need some help. Now, God had given David the blueprint for the temple. We see that in Chronicles 28 19. Let me just read it for you. He, he lays out in 28, he lays out how the temple is to be built. And David is, is recording that to the chronicler. So they're recording out how this is going to be done. And this is how the plan came to him, the, the design of the temple. All this said David, after he's laid out everything the way it's going to be built, he says, all this said David, the Lord made me understand in writing by his hand upon me all the details of this pattern. The plan for the temple was what we would call inspired by God. The scriptures we look at today are inspired by God. Written down by men, but inspired by the Lord. So the temple itself, that design, the, the architecture, if you will, how it was to be done, was all designed by God, and he had David write it down. So now David understands the difficulty of the task in front of him. Let me relate that to you a little bit. If you're in your 50s, and you've been giving to the church, and you've been trying to help us retire the debt that we have here, I just want to warn you, you may not be around when the debt finally gets retired. Huh? Some of you are older than 50. I, was, I said 50 being kind. If you're over 80, there's a real good chance that you may not get to see the debt retired. You may not get to see the church grow into what you imagined it to be. David realizes way back here he, in in. in First Chronicles 17 is when God tells him, you're not going to get to build the temple. He realizes, I may not get to build the temple, but I can be part of the work going forward. God's going to show me the plan. God's going to let me gather all the materials for it. Because see, sometimes you can get weary in well-doing, and you can say, well, it's never going to happen while I'm here, so I'll just, I'm not even going to commit to anything. I'm not going to give above and beyond because it's probably never going to happen while I'm alive. Well, David knew he was never going to place a foot inside this temple. And let's take a look at what he did. What did he do? He said that God gave me an inspired plan. I've shared it with my son. He's going to need some help. But let's take a look at the offering that David gathered. God provided the nation and David with an immense amount of wealth to use in the building of the temple. The qualities, the quantities, excuse me, of gold, silver, bronze, iron, timber, stone, all found, if you want to look at 1 Chronicles 22, you can see how they gathered all of this immense wealth. And in 29, we see that David adds his own personal treasure to the offering. That's how I came up with this title, the offering of a man after God's heart. What did that offering look like? Let's take a look. 
in verse 3. Well, verse 1 and 2, we read that. David points out that Solomon is still young and inexperienced. God's chosen him for the work of building the temple, though. He has also already set aside materials. David set a bunch of materials aside at this point. There, he, was a, he was the steward of all of the different offerings and money that had come in from the nation and from the acquiring wealth through winning battles. Kings went to battle not just so they could say, our army's bigger than yours. They went to battle to gain territory, and they always got riches, it seems like, whenever they went to battle. So David had gathered those. But he was in stewardship of that. Instead of spending it on himself, he set it aside for the temple. Already said that. Just repeating it to you. Now look at verse 3. Look at this. This is where his offering starts to take place. Look at this word. In the NASB, it's moreover. It could be besides in your translation. I'm not sure. But in my NASB, it says, moreover, in my delight. In my delight. You see his attitude? It's not, oh, all right, we're taking another offering. I'll come through again, give some money. No, in my delight in the house of my God, the treasure I have of gold and silver, the treasure I have. Does that sound like a portion of treasure to you? It sounds like he's saying all the treasure that I have in gold and silver, I'm going to give. I give to the house of my God over and above all that I have already provided for the holy temple. He's already set aside unbelievable amounts. In 2214, let me tell you what he set aside. 100,000 talents of gold. Now, a talent, you say, what is that? It's just a measurement, but it would be about 75 pounds of gold for one talent. So you've got 100,000 talents. I think I might have said that wrong earlier. 100,000 talents equals 7,500,000 pounds of gold. 90 million ounces of gold had already been set aside from the treasury, from the, from the amounts that he was the steward over. He gave stewardship over where that money was going to go. Where that gold and silver. So in today's world, we're trading. I just checked it last night. I told him earlier I need to be an engineer or a mathematician to preach this sermon. And but it gold is trading at thirteen hundred and one dollars per ounce today. That means the offering that that, that he had set aside was a hundred and seventeen billion ninety million. Just in gold. Now the silver was a million talents of silver, 75 million pounds, 900 million ounces, equaling four, because silver trades cheaper now, you know that, $16.50 per ounce, $14,850,000,000 worth of silver. If we were doing the offering today, that's what it would be worth. I told him earlier, I think we could build something with that, couldn't we? You watch these, these uh, big old stadiums they're building for a billion dollars or two billion or three billion or whatever you're thinking. The total, listen to this total. Now this does not count the bronze and the, all the other things. 
These are only, I don't, I don't want to get into all that. I mean, it's enough of a math lesson as it is. $131,940,000,000 in gold and silver was already set aside. Now we get back to this, moreover, in my delight, in my joy, in what I, I, this is, my desire was to give this offering. I delighted in it. Remember how we tell you around here that when we give an offering, it should be the most fun time you've had all week. It should be the most joyous thing you get to do. It's right up there with giving a kiss to your wife or your husband. Come on, you can laugh. It's this, I think of it. It's the most joyful thing that I can. It's, it makes me excited to get here. I want to get here to give my offering. Not, oh, they're passing the plate. I better come out with some. No, plan ahead. David had planned ahead. He was being specific about what it was going to be for. We'll show you that in a minute. But listen to what his offering was. Now, he gave all his gold and all his silver. He gave all, that, all his treasure, all his individual treasure. His talents of gold was 3,000 talents. Now, I didn't do all the math. You multiply that by 75, you'll get the pounds. And then it was troy ounces, so you multiply that by 12, you get the ounces. But here's the value. 3 billion, 512 million, 700,000 dollars is what that would equal today in his gold. In his silver, he had 7,000 talents of silver that he gave. That would be 103 billion, excuse me, 103 million, 950,000. So his total offering that he gave to the temple, 3,616,650,000, excuse me, 3,616,650,000. That's the offering that David gave. David gave all his personal treasure. That didn't mean that he was reduced to begging on the street. Don't worry, he's still living in a palace. He's still the king. But I like to do this. The reason David gave was because of his heart. When you see that term, moreover in my delight, your delight represents your heart. Yeah, if you give begrudgingly, it represents your heart. David says, in my delight, I gave a crazy amount of money. $3,616,650,000. It delighted me to do that. It gave me great joy. My heart was bursting within me to give that. But here's what I like. You see, God was looking at his heart, not the amount. Because you could sit here and go, well, yeah, that was King David. He had all that money. Of course he could give that kind of offering. And you can, you can cop out on that. You can say, yeah, well, that's, that's him because he had billions of dollars, obviously. He was going to get taken care of whether he gave it or not because he was the king. He could do all that you want to. What was God looking at? Not the amount. I'm looking at the heart of the person. You know where, another place where he was looking at the heart of the person? We find it over in Mark. 1242. I'm not going to turn there. But it's the story of the poor woman who gave her two copper coins. Worth approximately one penny. What did God look at? What did Christ look on at when she did that? Did he look at the amount she gave? 
He kind of did in a way because he said she gave all she had. She gave all she had. Where did she give from? From her heart. God could look on her heart and say, her offering was just as big to God as David's was. The offering that you give to the Lord, when you give, it's all about him looking at your heart. Now, I, I wanted to show the amount because it's an incredible offering. It's the largest monetary offering we've ever heard of. No one's outgiven David. No one has outgiven him. Especially not to a single cause. So, when, but I look at it, in both cases, in both cases, that little woman that gave, that little widow woman, I'm going to tell you what, I imagine her in my mind just, this is all I've got, but I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to give it. With all of my heart, I'm giving this. It's all I have. But it's, I'm going to give it anyway. It's not much in worldly standards, but I'm giving it anyway because my heart, my heart is connected to God's heart and what he wants. I want my will to line up with his will. My heart is where my will is determined. I want my will to be his will. In both cases, God looked at the condition of their heart. And you can be for sure, I'm going to show you a little bit here what happened with David. I never knew what happened to the little woman with her giving. I see that in Scripture, what, what took place. But she sure enough understood it was more blessed to give than receive. But I have a feeling she received multiple offerings herself after that. Can't, I can't say that for sure. Don't know that. Didn't, not in the Scriptures. But I, I'd say she survived really well after that. But in both cases, and here's what, we can be certain in both cases God blessed them mightily and took care of all their needs. Now we get to five, at verse five here, because you see that, that David did 3,000 talents of gold, the gold of Ophir. Oh, a, a note, the gold of Ophir, why would they put that, why did they put that in there? Well, that gold was, the, was gold in its purest form at that time. It was the one that they had heated up and they got rid of all the dross. It was the most pure gold they could get. That's the kind of gold that David gave. He did not give. Listen now. He didn't bring a lamb that had deformities in his offering even. You notice he said in the passage, he says, he gave the gold of Ophir. He gave refined silver in the purest form. The cleanest he could get it. That's how he gave it. And he gave from his heart. David's gift in verse 5 was a designated gift. It was a specific gift to God. Do you see that in verse 5? Let's look at it. So he says he gave the 3,000 talents of gold, uh, of the gold, of Ophir. And then 7,000 talents of refined silver to overlay the walls of the buildings. It was very specific. Of gold for the things of gold. And of silver for the things of silver. That is for all the work done by the craftsmen. And then look at this. There's an invitation here in verse 5. Do you see the invitation there at the end? Who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? 
You see, David was doing this in front of the entire assembly. He did this in front of the entire assembly. And then he challenges them. Look, here's what I've done. Here's what I'm doing as the king. God has captured my heart. I don't want to build a second-rate temple for him. He won't let us anyway. He'd give us a blueprint that tells us how we're supposed to be doing this. So in order to have enough, this is what we have to do. Then look what takes place. He challenges them. Who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? Now that, that word consecrate, you know, you, you probably read your Bible, and when you see that, you just read right past it. Consecrate. Oh, that's one of those religious words. And when I looked this up, it, it meant fullness, to be filled with something, to be consecrated. And um, it's kind of interesting that when you come to Christ, if you're here today and you've never met Jesus, you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, I would tell you, if I had been doing the offering, I would have told you don't even participate in the offering this morning. Because it can seem like that what we want at church is we just want your money. I don't want your money. Uh, and God doesn't really need your money. He just needs your heart. That's what he's after. Amen. But I would tell you this. As everybody in the room that has come to Christ would tell you is that they came empty-handed. There's nothing I could put in my hand to give God to deserve to be saved. There's nothing I could do with my body before God that would warrant me the right to be saved. You just come empty-handed to him whenever you need a savior. You can offer him nothing. He has done the work as we did communion. He's already done what it takes. You just simply must receive a free gift from him. If this morning you don't know about the free gift, oh, that you would meet the Savior today. Oh, that you would come up after the sermon and, and talk to me or Pastor or, or Dave or, or one of our elders, if it's Edwin or who. If you would just say, you know what? Pastor talked about meeting Jesus. I've never done that. Well, I would tell you, don't bring your wallet with you. It won't do you a bit of good. Bring an empty hand that says, I need my hand filled up. I need something from you, Lord. But in this circumstance, now here's the reverse, the contrast. These are people that have already, they're already God's people. And now David challenges them with saying, who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? The idea, if, in, in the Hebrew, the idea was, who is willing to come with your hands full to give back. He's about to take an offering, people. David's giving an offering, but he's about to take an offering. Or receive an offering, excuse me. You don't take anything, it's always receiving. So, watch what happens. Who's willing to come with your hands full to give back to the Lord? Hmm. Then, here we go, a little bit of a switch here in verse 6. Then the rulers of the father's households and the princes of the tribes of Israel and the commanders of thousands and of hundreds with the overseers over the king's work offered with a sword to their throat. Offered because someone told them they had to do it. No. See, their hearts got engaged. Their hearts got engaged. 
they offered their offerings willingly. Willingly. I'm going to tell you, if you don't give willingly, I'd almost tell you keep it. I'd almost tell you because if you don't give, if you give unwillingly, we're still going to spend it. But I'm telling you, I would almost say to you as an individual, if you're not giving it willingly, if you're not giving it with your heart engaged with God, if you're not giving it out of obedience, not because you're trying to purchase anything. No. Everything you need has already been purchased. Everything you have belongs to him. Everything that you have, he gave you. We're going to see that in a second. But you just got to say, I'm willing to give. I want to give. It's what brings me joy. My heart's engaged. I want the will of the Father in my life. Guess what his will is for your life? That you give. It's part of his will for you that you give. They gave willingly. And for the king's work, and for the service for the house of God, they gave 5,000 talents and 10,000 derricks of gold and 10,000 talents of silver and 18,000 talents of brass and 100,000 talents of iron. Whoever possessed precious stones gave them to the treasury of the house of the Lord in care of Jehiel the Gershonite. Then the people rejoiced. Let me tell you something. If you don't give willingly, you will not rejoice. What happened was, by watching David give his offering, they saw an example of how they're supposed to give. And then he gave willingly, now they gave willingly. Now, guess what happens? Now there's about to be a party before the Lord. We're about to rejoice. Next week, if you come here on the 3rd, we're going to tell you how to get to an event that night where you'll have a chance to give. You'll have a chance to say, Lord, I want to do something beyond what I'm already doing. That's what David did. He was already giving to the temple. He said, I'm going to give something beyond that, and I'm going to give all I have in that area of the gold and silver. I'm going to give it all. If you come next week and you do that, you know what? We set aside the 10th. We didn't say this earlier. It will be a single. It'll be, excuse me, not single. I got to be careful saying that word. It'll be a one service event on the 10th. And we're calling that our celebration Sunday. Because you know why? We're planning on partying. Because we believe that God is going to affect the hearts of his people to give above and beyond what they're already giving so that we can say, in that stewardship, treasures of the heart, you've committed this much. And we're going to celebrate that. That's what they're doing here. In verse 9, then the people rejoiced. They had joy. They, they, they became overjoyed. They rejoiced because they had offered so willingly. For they made their offering to the Lord with a whole heart. And King David also rejoiced greatly. I'm going to tell you what. On the 10th, on the 10th of June, after we've done our dinner, if you come to that dinner, we're going to treat you right. You're going to love it. It's a wonderful thing. If you've never been to one, you need to get there. But we're going to come back on the 10th, and I'm going to guarantee you, pastor, myself, the elders, the leadership of this church, we're going to rejoice greatly with you for what God has done. Amen? I'm telling you that in advance. It may not be as much as we were hoping we would get, but we're going to rejoice over whatever God puts on your heart to do. Amen? Amen. So now listen to this. So they're rejoicing greatly. <clears throat> and out breaks a prayer meeting. 
David says, we've got to thank God for this. We're going to pray. Listen to this prayer. So David blessed the Lord in the sight of all the assembly. And David said this, and listen to this. Blessed are you, O Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. You know what I'd say? Blessed are you, O Lord God of Valley Bible, our Father, forever and ever. He is your Father if you place faith in his Son. He adopted you into his family. He is now Abba, Father to you. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in the heavens and the earth, yours is a dominion, O Lord, and you exalt yourself as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all, and in your hand is power and might, and in and it lies in your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. Well, that just sounds like the right kind of prayer after an offering like that. But did you see? Hey, let's get to 14. He's not done praying, so let's just go to 14. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer as generously as this. Who am I and who are my people that we would be able to participate in an offering of this magnitude? For all things come from you and from your hand we have given you. So you get that? All of this gold that they had given, all of this silver that they had given, it had come from God's hand. You know, I, I told Pastor this the other day. I said, you know what I figured out? All the gold on the earth, every last bit of it, all the gold, all the silver, all the diamonds, all the jewels, all the things that you can think of that we could call valuable, they belong to God. He made them all. If you don't think he made them, you try and make some gold. You try and make some silver. Good luck. You can't. These are precious metals that he made. He's in charge of where they're at today. For we are sojourners before you and tenants as all our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like a shadow and there is no hope. O oh Lord our God, all the abundance that we have provided to build you a house for your holy name, it is from your hand and all is yours. It's from his hand. If you participated in the offering this morning, it came from his hand. Since I know, oh my God, that you try or you test the heart and delight in uprightness, I, in the integrity of my heart, have willingly, have willingly, have willingly offered all these things. So now, with joy, I have seen your people who are present here make their offerings willingly to you. I've te you've tested the heart. What that means there, that terminology is that he's investigated your heart. He's looked to see is everything correct in it. When you give your offering willingly, he looks at your heart. He determines if it was willing or not willing. In David, he could say, he had a willing heart. And then David could watch his people and say, they had a willing heart. They were willing to give. 
give from the full hand that God had put. God filled their hand up to give. God fills your hand up to give. It's not your ability. If you got ability, who gave you that? You think you're just that good. No. God made you that good. It's to him we look. It's to him we give thanks. Not to our ability. Steph Curry hitting three-point shots. You can say whatever you want to. God gave him that ability. Greatest shooter in all the earth. Only because God decided it would be that way. And I hope he doesn't keep saying things like he said the other night. May he honor God in what he's been given. You see that up here in verse, uh, where was I at? Verse 12. Both riches and honor. Both riches and honor come from God. So when it comes to worship and your money and your heart, the really vital question is this. Where is your heart? Where is it? Because we find out that where your heart is, your treasures follow closely after. So, if you don't know where your heart is today, take a look at where your treasures are. It'll be a great indication. The challenge that David gave us was not the amount that he gave. The challenge was that his heart was in the right place. God had done an investigation of David's heart. He had investigated it. He had turned over every stone of the man's heart. You know, David's one of the only men I know in the scripture that says, Lord, test me. Look at my heart. Look at my heart. Look at the innermost parts of my heart. Am I serving you the way I should? Is there anything not right in me? Examine my heart, Lord. Is there anything that's not right? Lord, examine my heart when I put money in the offering. If I'm not right in it, would you fix it for me? I want to be right before you. I want my heart to be linked to yours. So the question, where is your heart? Your treasure is where your heart will be. That's the whole point of the campaign is to say, you know what? One last thing, I'll let you go. I was sharing this with my wife, and then I think I ended up sharing it with Pastor Phil and Carolyn. I, I said, you know what? I look back. I've been here for 46 years at this church. I started when I was 14, and believe it or not, even at 14, I didn't have a lot of money, but I participated in offerings. I didn't always participate with the right heart. I would not be foolish enough to say that. But I was looking back at it, and I told my wife, I said, you know what's amazing to me? God has placed a lot of resources in our hands. And out of most of those resources, we have nothing to show for it. Moths and rust and thieves have gotten a hold of it. Fortunately, not too many thieves, but I have been stolen from. So when I look at it, I think the only thing that he put in our hands that has any value today is what we offer back with full hands. We consecrated ourselves in this area. Are we perfect in it? No, and neither is anyone else in the room. But we want to be obedient, and I don't know of a time that God has not rewarded my obedience to him. You be obedient and see if he doesn't come through. I promise you he will, because he's the same yesterday, 
today and forever, and he will not lie to you. But almost every promise in Scripture has something you must do. You must obey. You must, if you're in trouble, what does he say to do in Psalm 50, 15? You should know it by heart. I've said it so many times. Call on me in the day of trouble. And I will deliver you. See the promise? See what you got to do. So here we go. Is your heart in the right spot? If you're here today and you're saying, oh, but we just can't give. We just can't do it. Man, try the Lord on that. Just start off with something. When you have 200 people that don't give anything in the church, it's just con it's confusing to us. It's confusing. So, I'll end. I'll be done. Where is your heart today? Where is your heart? Father, I thank you this morning for your goodness to us. Man, Lord, I want to thank you for all of the resources that you have supplied to this people and they have given faithfully they've consecrated many of them have consecrated themselves to say I have full hands today because of what God put in them I came with an empty hand 25 years ago at an Easter service and God filled my hands up oh Lord I pray there be some empty hands in the room that need a Savior. That they'll say, I want to have my hands be full. How do I know this, Lord, the way you're talking about it? I pray for that. For that brother or sister in the room who struggles with trying to figure out this area of the sanctification process in their life. Lord, I pray that their heart will line up with yours. And that they'll Learn this wonderful truth of giving and watch how you bless their life. I don't know anyone in my life that I've ever met that has figured out the giving stuff. This is giving issue that you haven't blessed. It seems like you said that you wouldn't let them go hungry. You feed the birds. You feed the sparrows. You're going to take care of them too. Thank you, Lord, for this great example of David and the great example of the little woman who gave her two copper pennies in that their heart was yours. May our hearts be yours today so that our treasure will follow. In Christ's precious name, amen.